0: welcome to another episode of bleachers and boards brought to you by the hoop heads podcast i'm marlon guild and along with my co-host matt collier we'll analyze everything from hoops to hip-hop check us
1: out Peds Nation, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Bleachers and Boards with Matt Collier and Marlon Guild. Be sure to check out these other basketball pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, and our team-focused NBA pods. X's and O's NBA Breakdown, Motor City Hoops, Cavaliers Central, Grizz and Grind, Nuck a Few Buck, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, and Hashtag Lakers. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoop Heads Podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA.
2: How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Bleachers and Boards here on the Hoop Heads Podcast Network with my co-host, Marlon Gill. Marlon, what's up, man? What's going on? that's all I'm gonna say yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. got the man on with us tonight got the man on with us tonight Jeff Arnold, assistant basketball coach at Ryder University Um, both Marlon and I have worked with Jeff at different times myself a lot longer actually uh, Jeff was one of the first people I met when I got in the business um, back at UMass when I was a manager coming up and definitely took me under his wing for sure and uh, now Marlon's getting an opportunity to work with him at Ryder. So uh, he's definitely one of our favorite people, without question, um, not just in the basketball business, but in life period. I, you know, I'll speak for myself for sure, and I'm sure Marlon feels the same way. So this is definitely an honor and a pleasure to have him on the platform today. So what's going on, Jeff? How you feeling tonight?
3: Man, I'm with two of my favorite guys. <laughs> I'm, excited. I'm excited. These is I'm with two good dudes. All I'm, right. I'm excited right. tonight. I'm excited to, hey, to you know what, what you guys got going on.
0: I, I'm, I'm going to say this. Uh, and, Matt, I thought it was just me. And I felt a little slighted, right? So, you know, I, I had known Jeff from afar in, in past. And then when he came to work with us, he instantly became Uncle Jeff. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. So here I am thinking, oh, I'm going to just call him Uncle Jeff. Mm-hmm. And and then you start talking to different people. Yo, how's Uncle Jeff doing? Mm-hmm. I'm like, damn! Somebody else called him that too. Because I I think that shows, man, uh, the the respect that uh, you know un- Uncle Jeff has just in the profession uh, alone, right? And and he and I talk about this all the time, and. and I'm not going to get too mushy on here, but it's been an honor just to watch him on a daily basis on on the way he does things. And, um, it's something that I inspire to be. And before we go any further, uh, we did give him the disclaimer that it's no cussing on here. Uh, (laughs) We are on that (laughs) last
3: vocabulary. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) <laughs> you know, see that show. but um nah I, i've been looking forward to this one since uh since we spoke about it but you know man i'm gonna let you talk on your experiences a little more with uncle jeff as well man
2: well i mean i at this point in my life i've known jeff longer than i haven't known him <laughs> which is which is crazy to say um uh, you know i'm 40 now i met him when i was 17 so i, I met him you know I've known him way longer than I, I haven't known him. So, um, that you know, that's what happens when you, you know, get older. But it's um, – first of all, I mean, even just – he's always been a mentor, older brother, uncle-type figure to me since I met him. Um, you know, I lost my father actually during – um uh, after my freshman year of college. So, you know, him and Bruiser and Mikey C and Brian Gorman, all those guys up at UMass, you know, like – And I needed that male (laughs) role model, you know, in my life, you know, after that, you know, those guys were right there, but they were there before, you know, before that happened, but absolutely afterwards. So, you know, Jeff has always been monumental in my life. And then even us doing this platform, I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge the fact that, you know, Jeff started 12 inches over bringing coaches together. And, you know, during the pandemic, and, and, and guys getting connected and, you know, doing professional development, I, you know, that I think that sparked something in me to, you know, try, you know, to try to do something to, to give back, you know, just the way that Jeff has always been giving back to me. But him even starting 12 inches over was, you know, an inspiration to say, you know what? while we're all doing this, you know, there's something, there's more that we can be doing to help each other out in this profession. So, you know, he's always been, you know, a guy that I looked up to, and and, and even us, you know, undertaking this, um, you know, this venture, you know, if it wasn't for him stepping out and say, you know what, I'm going to reach out and do something to help this basketball community and turn it into something big like he did is, you know, was inspirational and, and saying, you know what, you know, I can, you know, I can try to do something as well. And, you know, hooked up with you, Marlon. And, but again, those connections, you know, that's how it happens. So, and and that's always what Jeff has been about is connecting people and inspiring people to, uh, you know, think outside the box and, and do more, uh, just not do your job, just you know, go above and beyond. So um, you know, he we, we owe him a lot for, for that, but for countless other reasons that you know, that the show couldn't be that long to to, to to go down that list. Sure.
3: It's it's always been um it's always been we. Um, I've been a benefactor of being a part of a great team and uh meeting great people. So like twelve inches over happened because we decided to do it you know i just came up with the concept and with scott and and it's turned into something that i never imagined but it but it's we it's not just it wasn't just my idea or scott's idea or us getting together it's the fact that everybody has have mega input and you benefit you know and that's how it is when you we always talk about recruiting it's us getting the kid, you know, so whatever I have to do to be able to play my part. And it's sometimes to fall back. You know, sometimes it's to fall back because you got a better relationship or or you in it you in the mix a little harder or you can do better with it, you know? And sometimes it's to step forward. So but I I just um, you know, the fact that Matt and I, we've known each other for so long and just to see him you know, go from a kid, now he's a man with a family and a head coach and doing very well. And then getting to know Marlon on the other side, Marlon just reminded me so much of Matt, of the UMass crew, of the, you know, <laughs> all those guys. You know, we sitting there and talking and, you know, and, 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 and all the guys. And I remember going way back when I first started coaching, my first class of guys was Mark Bass, who was one of my best friends now as well and Bass said to me um we were practicing we were shoot around at the Langton tournament and Bruiser and them came in after us so I went in the corner and was talking to Bru we were over there talking and Bass goes why are y'all always in the corner talking you know y'all always off to the side talking and years later me and Bass is over in the corner talking you know so it's 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 one and the same you know, I, I'm just, I'm really, really excited um, to see the maturation of all you guys. You know, and and the reason why y'all call me uncle because I'm old. My, my ass is old. You know, that's 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 why you know, that's why you call me uncle because my ass is old.
2: Well nah, Jeff, I will say we gotta give my man a shout out. We gotta give my man a shout out because the originator of Uncle Jeff is my main man Calvin Hicks. Okay that's where, and that's, where <laughs> that's where that's where it started and it just stuck from there and just ran from there. So I would be you know, we we, we don't wanna you know leave my man C Hicks out, you know, so everything I know Calvin, you know, you know where that comes from. But uh that that was the originator, but honestly. He says it, but then, you know, for Jeff and for Bruno's guy, it just it's stuck. It's just like, okay, yes, that's you know what I mean? Like that's what the that's who they are. That's what it is. It's a term of endearment and you know, and it just
0: grew from there for sure. Right, right. Well, you know what? But before we get into it, and, and Uncle Jeff, we like to get a little crazy on here, uh, which is right up your alley. <clears> throat> uh, throat> uh since you guys have that relationship for such a long time. Matt, I want you to give a crazy story about Uncle Jeff. The, the PG version. Uh, and, <laughs> I mean, they're, they're RPG. I, I'll be honest, they pro- I mean, sheesh. There's a lot of them, but. um. Oh, no, you got, you got, come on, man. You know how we doing here. You got to give a. No, nah, no, nah, because I, because
3: honestly, like, I don't know if I could, that, whew, man. No, I, I tell you, Marlon, he shut <laughs> my office when I cussed the dude out. China. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Okay, yeah, I'll tell that story. But uh, we're going we're gonna to leave the names out. We're going to protect gonna leave- Who is the
3: head coach right now?
2: He is a head coach. He is a head coach. Has been a head coach for a while. So I'm, UMass, summertime, I think I was going into my senior year, and um, I'm in the basketball office. And see, di- just this is just a little story about Jeff and just even my growth as a coach. Because that summer, Jeff – put me as a host of on an official visit of a kid, right? I'm a manager. He let me host a kid on his official visit. It was a kid that had already committed to us at UMass. And so I'm up there the whole summer and we had gotten a commitment from another kid and you know, it was in the papers, you know, but this is back in the day. This is late. Uh, no, this is early 2000. So, you know, it's hoop scoop online, you know, all of, all of that. It's on there. You know, everybody knows it's in the papers. Kid was from a major metro area. I'm going to try to be as vague as I can be. So the kid was from a major metro area. So it was in the papers down there. Everybody knew about it. Kid had been committed for a couple of weeks. And... um I can't remember exactly how we found out or how the word got back, but th- through the grapevine, we found out that another school had reached out to the kid that had committed and asked or was trying to get the kid to go on an unofficial visit anyway to their school. And, you know, obviously everybody knows <laughs> in the college basketball business, that's an absolute no-no. You do not do that. That is, you know, you don't do that. You don't cross that line. So the word got back and I'm sitting actually in the secretary's chair. I'm sitting in Bonnie's chair. She wasn't there that day. And Jeff says to me, please get the number to the basketball office of blah, blah, blah. (laughs) So I said, okay. Look it up on the internet or whatever. I don't remember if it was the internet or the, um, what was the book? the book? Yeah, the book that had all the, all the, uh, the, the <laughs> names and addresses and numbers of all the schools in the country. I don't remember which one it was. I look it up, hand it to Jeff, and I'm sitting at the secretary's desk, and his desk is, the, his office door is directly across from there. Everybody's in there, so brews around, whatever. Everybody's hot. Jeff picks up the phone, calls, and says, yo, man. If I see you in the street, I'm going to punch you in your face. And I can hear, that was the first thing he said. And so I can hear through the phone this coach, No, no, Jeff, it's not like that. I didn't want to do it. It was my boss. And Jeff is just going on him, going in on him, going in on him, threatening him within an inch of his life. and the person is staying on the phone, allowing Jeff to curse him out, and telling him not just curse him out, telling him how if he sees him on the street,
0: he's gonna punch him in the face.
2: And I'm, you know, i I think I'm twenty. You at this point, maybe twenty, you know, yeah, probably twenty. And I'm just sitting there, just amazed that he, the person is staying, the coach is staying on the phone and begging, like basically, like. Jeff to like leave him alone and like, you know, what I'm saying, like <laughs> cut him a break. And it was just amazing to me. And, you know, the kid ended up, you know, keeping his commitment and all of that. And, but it was just, you know, that that was one of the wildest things I've ever seen. And I think I said to Jeff at the time, I said, <laughs> I said you're, you're lucky that, that that phone call wasn't recorded because if they recorded that call and played it for the police, <laughs> you would have got. <laughs>
0: I, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't my,
2: believe it. But in my younger days. The person was in the wrong though. They were they were dead wrong. There was no, you know, there was no getting out of it. It's dead wrong.
3: Mar, what he didn't say was the AAU coach did take the kid to the school. Oh right. Okay. So the kid went on an unofficial visit. Right. The kid went on an unofficial visit. And so I'm like, I blew the dude up. Mm-hmm. And his coach was, you know, one of them dudes, get it. I don't care what's going on. You know, so, so I blew the dude up. And I told him, you know, like, you want to break bread with me. Like, we cool. But then you want to do this? You going to let this dude make you do this? At some point, when are you going to say, like, nah, that, 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 ain't, that ain't cool? Right? Right? So that was number one. So number two, about 15 minutes later, the office phone rang. He answers the phone. It's another coach who had worked for the guy. Yo, Jeff, you know what I told him? (laughs) F-U-2. Marlon, when we start recording, I'll tell you who it is. (laughs) He went on to be... A big time coach, mm-hmm. and coach to get in the national championship game. I'll give you that hit. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. yeah, this was yeah, this was like no, no, no. This was like major. This was like not like you know low level stuff
3: going on. You don't understand working for him, man. He could be like that. You know what? Then your man is a punk.
1: Because
3: <laughs> I ain't doing that to somebody that I call my friend. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I mean, it was you yeah. know. And then I got another call. And see, he ain't in the business no more. So I can say, Deuce Jarvis called me. Yo, Jeff, he cool. No, he's not. <laughs> no, he's not. Listen, Mark, that's what I'm saying. There was people copping please all over the place. It was crazy. Crazy. No, he's not. Not in my book. Copping boy. please. That's the way I play. Not in my book. <laughs> like, grown men <laughs> begging. I don't do that. I don't do that. Not in my book. But but you know what's, but,
2: and, 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 you know, again, I'm young, I'm a manager, I'm trying to figure out, you know, figure out all this stuff. And like I said, these guys are giving me opportunities to do things. So I'm learning on the fly. And, but what I was learning at the same time, which a lot of people don't get is the unwritten rules and the morals of the business of how things are supposed to go. Right. And so you know, just on a man-to-man level, you know, certain things aren't supposed to happen and, you know, people keeping their word and stuff like that. But just like that situation, it was just like, okay, no, this is wrong. This shit it not And then now <laughs> as you go through the business as a coach and you encounter situations like that, you know, you're not wrong when you see other people doing stuff, whether it's to you or whatever, or you find yourself in situations because of how you were taught and how you were brought up. Like, no, this isn't okay for these type of things to happen and you and when you find yourselves in those situations now you know what you know what legs you're standing on because of who taught you when you were coming up dudes that did it the right way and dudes that respected other programs and did you know what I mean and just worked and didn't get into you know politics and everything and trying to put other you know just all that the negative side of of the game you know the college basketball game and you know I was fortunate that I learned from those guys that no this is the way <laughs> this is the way it's supposed to go Right. This is how it's supposed to be. And so that's, you know, I feel like that's helped me, you know, in, in my journey as a coach as well.
3: Because what I told him, you know, through all of the cussing, what I told him, he had a player on his team who we had recruited at UMass. He committed to Villanova.
0: It was Villanova.
3: He committed <laughs> to Villanova. I said. He told <laughs> me after he committed. The kid called me and said, yo, I want to take a visit. I was like, nah, dude, you, you decide, you, you're not going there? Well, I, you know, I said, you still, you committed to them? Yeah, all right. Well, I can't, I can't, nah. And that's what I did like two years before. And I told him that, yo, my man, make sure your stuff is tight because this boy called me up and said he wanted to come. So make sure it's tight, man. Right. Oh, thanks. Yo, thanks a lot. And then you are gonna go a year later and do that to me? Nah, man. I I, I don't I don't think that's fair. Right. I don't I don't, I don't, I don't really think that's fair. And, and you know, it is what it is at that point. Mm-hmm. And there's a
2: right way and a wrong way to do. You know, like I said, I you know, I just what I learned during that whole you know that situation is just everything that there's a right way and there's a wrong way to to, to do business. It's not just, oh, anything goes because it's competitive. Like, no, like, like, no, it it, it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't, it shouldn't be like that. And it's up to you to stand on your square and say, this is how I'm going to choose to operate within this space. And I'm going to do it with integrity. I'm going to do it with morals. I'm going to do it by my word and do the right thing at all times. And because that, will follow you everywhere. You know what I mean? Like your word has to mean something. How you carry yourself has to mean something. Even if it means, okay, you might lose out on the player here or whatever. But at the end of the day, it's still all about your character and, and all of that. And as, you know, Jeff has been in this business a long time. That's why, you know, through it all, nobody has anything bad to say about him. Because regardless of, because of, regardless of what, you knew it was always straight up and down. You always knew he's telling the truth. You always knew that he was going to do things the right way. You always knew that, you know, regardless of the situation, that he was going to, you know, you know work with integrity. And, you know, that's, that respect, you know, you can't, you can't buy that. You can't, you know, that's, that's earned. So that's, that's, that's one of the biggest things I learned from, um, from him is just, just how to move, like, you know, <laughs> with a per, as a person of integrity in a, in a business that, that doesn't always get rewarded. But at the end of the day, it's important.
0: But you know what? I'll tell you what, uh, what. what is fair, right? And I've seen it firsthand is the way that uh, Jeff coaches his players. Um, the player development piece that he brings uh, had a long lineage of players. Um, and when they get in the gym, you know, one thing you know is Uncle Jeff's going to work you. Uh you're gonna get in there. You're gonna sweat. That uh, that shirt's gonna change color. Uh, you're gonna be exhausted. But you know, it's something that I like that he says all the time. Hey, I'm not gonna cheat y'all, so don't cheat me. And you know, over his 20 plus years or 25 plus years, hopefully, I'm saying that right uh, with the players that he's had. I don't think he's cheated any of them uh, with their development. So. Uh Jeff, if you don't mind I just, you can rattle off a couple of those names uh the guys that you've gotten in the gym with and you know, our listeners may know a few. It's a few names from the past, a few names from uh or the present, and there's gonna be a few names in the future. So, you know, t- talk your talk on, on the names, man, if you don't mind, uh for the listeners.
3: Well shoot, I I gotta it's funny because you gotta go by school. You know? <laughs> When I my, my first four years at St. Joe's, you know, we had a chance to, I had a chance to coach Mark Bass and Bernard Blunt and Terrell Myers. You know, people know Terrell Myers is the AAU guy, Mark Bass is the college coach, but, but them guys is both thousand point scorers, you know, so getting in the gym with them and, and actually then I could run up and down the floor with them. So I, I was in decent shape at that time. You know, get into UMass and Charlton Clark and Monty Mack and Shannon Crooks and, Kit Reimer, Micah Brand, all them guys, just, it was fun because they just, they went hard and they played hard and went hard and, you know, that kind of thing. Going to Drexel and getting there with, you know, shit, Robert Battle averaged one point when we got there and he finished, you know, two-time defensive player of the year as well as first team all league in the CAA, but. Watching Timmy Whitworth and Eric Schmieder and Jeremiah King, Phil Goss and Don Mejia, Bashir Mason, Chaz Crawford, Scott rogers you know, like all those guys. Them guys, I've been fortunate because I've always, no matter where I've been, I've been able to coach an all-league guy, you know, like an all-league guy. And then, you know, going back over to St. Joe's. And I'll tell you this, Marlon, mm-hmm. I wasn't the one who discovered him. <laughs> I wasn't the one who discovered me I, know, I think I know where we going have to give him credit now he got to eat my blood so he's besides I always say this the best player I've ever recruited or the best player I've ever had that I recruited that wasn't my family is Rashid Bey. Mm-hmm. he was two time two time Big five MVP. Killer. In Killer. Played New York for Evernet. And then comes along, years later, comes along Langston Galloway. So, you know, Langston and DeAndre Bembry, and, <laughs> and, you know, being able to work with, like, like Darren Govins when, you know, he was a senior when I got there. So he was great to work with and Tashi Carr, and, you know, all these guys. But Langston... Matt Collier told me Langston was a good player when he was 12, Mar. I,
0: I remember you telling me that. I remember uh, – Can't
3: I can't take credit. I can't.
0: <laughs> this is an exclusive here. So, Matt Collier, you are the one – Langston Galloway might owe you a check, huh? I don't know about that. but <laughs> <laughs> uh, Listen, uh, well, let me take that back. I'll take it. I'll... <laughs> I don't know if I deserve it, but I'll take it. That's for <laughs> Some, some some tickets to a Pistons game. How about that? Pistons,
3: uh, sure. well, listen, he called He called me today. You know, he's a free agent, so yeah. he called me today and said he had uh, multiple teams, you know. i sure. And that kind of stuff. So everything should fall into place by Sunday, I guess. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, yeah. I, I would love for him to come <laughs> back
0: to New York.
2: He I mean, could play my yet.
3: opinion, today.
0: He played play well for the Knicks.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. I'd love to have him come back to New York. Dude, yeah, that, was, that was a that was, it was it, it was a funny it, you know
2: it was a funny day because you know Jeff was saying oh my nephew's going to come up you know from from uh from Baton Rouge <clears throat> I'm like all right cool so you know Lang walks in you know huge shoulders long arms and you know, and I'll never forget he had these brown I forget what type of sneakers were but they were like brown like
3: Jordans they was they were, yeah like yeah they like like they like, look like almost know. like boots they look almost yeah they look like uh colors. They were, they, were, they were some Jordan. They were brown. He loved them sneakers.
2: Yeah, I don't know where he got them from. It must have <laughs> been Louisiana. But, you know, then at, at the Drexel camp, we used to have some guys, you know, that would come, you know, from the neighborhood and stuff like that. And, you know, you know people would, you know, the, we had, cause we were a neighborhood camp. So we would get, you know, some of the better, better young players that you didn't know who they were, you know, they're 12 years old, whatever, you know, and then a few years later, like, Oh no, nah, this kid's getting recruited. Like <laughs> he's going to be a division one player. So that would happen, you know, pretty much every summer. We have a few of those guys. And that summer we did have a few guys that were a little bit older than Lang. They were like maybe ninth graders or whatever, or going into the ninth grade. I think Lang was maybe seventh or going to the eighth grade, somewhere in that range. And so, you know, I'm not going to put him with the, you know, <laughs> with this Jeff's nephews. I'm not going to put him with the, you know, kids that aren't that good. So I, I, I'll play, play him up, whatever. And games are going on. And I'm like, I'm like yo, like, he's holding his own out. You know, he's holding his own out here. And, you know, your mentality is, okay, this is Jeff's nephew from Baton Rouge. And he's up here in Philly. Playing against you know against these kids from West Philly or you know whatever he not you know he might be intimidated or what you know and they're older than him and the one thing that stuck out though was that I'm not you know he wasn't giving out fifty points. it wasn't that type of deal but he was playing well and you could tell that these you know kids that were older than him and from Philly whatever might have been a little bit you know rough around the edges than he was but he didn't care and that was the thing that kind of stuck out like he had some skills and you and and the other thing you saw okay camp is you know not really, it's lunchtime or whatever he's over on the side bass he's not eating pizza and skittles whatever like everybody else is doing he's over on the side court getting shots up or whatever working on his form and just over you know the, so the first day i don't think i said anything the second day whatever it was like the third day and i'm just like yo this you know he's playing well he's playing you know he's going at it with these young, you know these older kids and he just had, like, just his way about him. And I'm not going to, I didn't go down there and say, Jeff, your nephew's going to be in the NBA. I didn't, yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't say that.
3: <laughs> you know, Drexel Gym is 8,000 oh. degrees. Oh, yeah. No so, air conditioning. Nothing. So I was in my office, which had yeah. air. So yeah. I'm feeling I ain't going upstairs. I ain't going upstairs, right? I, every day I would say, yo, how'd you do, Like, Oh, it was good. It was good, you know. All he was doing was after camp, he wanted to go get some water ice. Because right. he, he was in love with that being in Philly, and mm-hmm. you know, so and he would go back. She was staying at my house, so he would come back and eat and have a good time. And you know, hey, he finally came downstairs. Yo, man, you got to come up. Man, it's hot up there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, all of a sudden, I go up there, and Mark. He's rolling. <laughs> I'm like, yo, he is pretty good. <laughs>
2: you know, he <laughs> just had. You know, it's just he just had this. You know, like I said, he just. You know them guys out there talking, and you know, whatever. You know, and you know they were good players. I mean, one, I think at least one of those kids went on to play. He played in the CAA, went on to play, went on to play. You know, you know, mid-major Division One basketball. So you know, it was he was playing against kids that were you know pretty good, and he just you know, but he just had this way about him where he was doing his thing, but it was also like just nothing phased him. You know what I mean? Like they were trying because they saw that he oh this kid little got a little game to him. You know, but they were trying to you know. Get to him, and he was just doing his thing. And now, why I was like, you know what? He got a chance to be, you know, good. Now I'm again. I'm never gonna say, I, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, I knew my Lang was gonna be in the league. You know, I, I'm not gonna go that far. But you know, but it's you know, you get, I guess you you know, you're in the business long enough. You run across things that you know. You, you see things, and and you see kids, and you see you know. You know, you, you know the the was my man uh Wesley Sykes said that the sun shines on the dogs behind. You know, every now and again, you, you
3: know you every see some blind squirrel gets enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every now and then, you know, so times though. So that 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 you know, having Lang and and you know DeAndre was right after him, and then Charlie Brown. You know, so three guys. They they actually sent me a picture last year. Um, they were the the Pistons played the Hawks, and all three of them were dressed. And they sent they sent me a picture, said, "You know, check us out." You know, so that that that's really cool, The fact that you have um some guys that that have a chance to you know live their dreams. Had an abundance of guys that, that played in Europe and you know grow and and become studs over there and play you know ten, eleven, twelve. One cat's 15 years, you know, and, and, uh, you know, live in different countries and learn other cultures. And, you know, it's just really cool when you see, you know, these guys do these things and, and, uh, but then when they make the ultimate, when you make the MBA, and and to see that happen, you know, it's really cool. It's really cool.
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing that, that I noticed and we can get in to the, uh, the player development talk is that a lot of the time the guys, you know, the drills that Langston was doing with Jeff when he was in college are the s- drills that he's doing now. You know, he'll come up and work out and it'll be the same. A lot of times people think when you're playing in the NBA that drills are, are different and he's using the same drills that, you know, our guys use and they're looking like well, he's in the NBA. Why does his drill look like ours? You know, it's hey, it's basketball. And, and you know, th- the thing that I like and we'll get into it is that we actually, uh, you know, Jeff actually takes the progression of each drill and incorporates something else. So usually, you know, we'll start with some sideline dribbling. Then that'll turn into some uh, three spots uh, with cones dribbling. Then we take it into shots. And that's just the warm up, and then we get into some shooting. So, you know, I, I'll share the screen, and you know, Uncle Jeff, the
3: floor is yours. So, this is a this, yeah. Go but, ahead. I was gonna say, in this, we we we're all on a sideline. You see me standing over there on the sideline, and it's all it's all about, uh, um, you know, attacking the cones making a move. So I'll tell them a move to do and they got to do it at each cone. But the pace, you know, you can't uh, I always say you have to play at game speed all the time. So your pace got to be turned up. You know, a lot of guys come and, yo, I was in the gym for three hours. You physically can't work out in the gym for three hours. You can if you are going at the right pace. You know, all I need is 45 minutes. And it was funny because not only did I do uh, Langston, but, Uh, Natasha Cloud that's a a WNBA champion with the Mystics the year after um, Langston graduated she was finishing and she said hey I think I'm gonna get drafted can you work me out the same way you did him and we did all these same things all of these same things and you know after the first day she was like yo we only went for an hour and I'm tired as hell so yeah yeah, you know that's what it is but we do just – and it's all fundamental moves. Just like, you know, just between the legs. I, I don't want, you know, between the legs, double crossover, over, sidestep over. No. Just have the fundamentals down and attack each cone and, and stay down. And it's always about pushing the ball through and try to stretch the ball. This is what? Inside-out cross, right? I like those guys to learn how to do it a little quicker. And then you take those drills that we did on the sideline, and then you then you put them on the court and it's the same drill to go and attack the basket. And every every move you make, I always try to tell them you only get one dribble past the cone. Because now if you take too many dribbles, then the defense comes up on you. You know, so it's it's the exact same drill that we just went on the sideline with. You tend to take it to the court and you take three spots and you gotta go Make every move from those spots, right-handed and left-handed. So you got to be, you got to play both sides. It's a, you know, basketball is a symmetrical sport. So then, and then you turn it into a jump shot. So now you're stretching the ball. I always, I like this drill here because it's funny when, when if you, I try, I, get, I try to get you to play a little bit faster than you're comfortable with, because you can always turn a guy down, right? But when you tell him to go to the basket and they do it in one dribble and then the next play, you tell them to do it in a jump shot, a guy always slows up. Right. If you could if you could come at somebody at full speed, stop and go straight up, like Westbrook does. Westbrook plays that way. You know, if you can do that, then 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 the defense is always backing up. You'll never have anybody in your face. If he comes forward, you go by him and make a play and finish at the rim. You know, so that that's um you know, we, we, the progression is sideline dribbling. Then it's, then it's, I call these, these three spots where the cones are, all attack moves.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Then you do the attack move, but it's a jump shot. And then you work on a floater. You work on getting to the other side of the rim. So it's, it's everything that you do. You, you constantly try to, to, to keep going with that. You know, and you kind, of, and, and I keep moving – see how I'm moving the cone out there? Yep. I keep trying to move the cone further and further out and show them that in one dribble you can get from behind the three-point line, probably from the NBA three-point line and finish.
0: Now, you know what? Uh, before we go on, are there a- any guys in particular that you picked up certain drills from? And, and you know, everything is uh, something that somebody else has done prior and you add your own – sprinkle to it, uh, but is there a guy in particular that maybe helped you with your game coming up that you said, hey, I like that
3: drill, I'm going to add my, my twist to it? Oh, man, I, I stole, <laughs> I stole so many drills from the late, great John Harnett. I mean, it you know, he was a, he was a treasure to Philadelphia.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, and it, and it was from when we were younger and doing it. But then when he would run, he was the guy that had everybody came to his workouts. You had to basically get invited. You just couldn't show up. Mm-hmm. But if you were a Philadelphia kid who was in college, you could come. The pros, like I've seen Alan Iverson go and do his drills. I've seen Aaron McKee as a veteran in the NBA come and do all of John's drills. You know, Mike Jordan, Pooh Allen, um, uh, Cat Mobley, Arthur Yaw Davis, every, just everybody would come. And that, that was the work. Langston, actually, when he got better as a junior in high school, he came up uh, – no, as a sophomore. He came up and he was with – I used to drop him off at John's Workout. And go to work. And John and those guys would have him all day. And they would, by the time I got home from being at St. Joe's and most of the day, they were dropping him off at my house because he would go play ball with them, go to lunch with them, go hang out. So he got indoctrinated with Philadelphia. Actually, when John passed away, Langston was coming up for a month to stay in Philadelphia. And 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 I had to call him and tell him that Coach John had passed away. He was he was crushed. But I, I stole so much of this stuff from him, you know, just from watching and, and doing his thing. And then like I said, when I first started, I was able to do a lot of this stuff at a high level because I was still in great shape. I was twenty-six or twenty-seven or something, and still ran every day. And you know, so you know, you just kind of do some of these things. You go, okay, this works.
0: And, and I'm just going to say this to the listeners, and, and Matthew probably already noticed, Uncle Jeff's being nice because every once in a while he will get on the court and, and dribble the ball and, and make a move. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the young fellas on our team be like, damn, Coach, J still got that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, don't don't cut yeah. yourself short, man. You, you yeah. can still out for a little bit.
3: It, it hurts though. And I go in the office and it's fight. It hurt. It, it hurt. I don't. I don't try to do it too much. It hurt. It hurts. I once told Bruiser Flint, "Yo, man, you got to get a younger coach, man. My my day, my legs is hurting a little bit. Too much practicing." Well,
0: you know what? And, and you know, I'll let the the film continue on. But you know, like I said, I, I like the progression. You know, everything just flows in, in a. Jeff Arnold workout, uh, you know, so like you said, we do things with the cones on the sideline, and we incorporate them at the wing, top wing. And then they got to take uh, jump shots after going through the layup package. And, you know, everything just just flows. And then to, to end it, uh, man, I'm I'm not going to even lie to you, man. We got this five-spot shooting drill, which is fine. But one thing that he brought in uh, – I'll let you talk about it, uh, Uncle Jeff, is the, uh, the rapid fire. You know, in, in this clip here, this is just the uh, five shots at one spot just to get rolling. Um, right. But then w- I'll let you talk about the rapid fire a- after this. So this is, you know, your basic five spots, starting the corner,
3: wing, top, wing, opposite corner. Yeah, but it, it's, it's like – and what you want to do is you want to – I always, honestly, I, I hate the gun. <laughs> I, I always want, like, two or three guys to go to the gym. And, like, a shooter, a passer, and a rebounder, because I think you can always work on your passing. And he, even the guy that's rebounding, uh, and he's not really doing anything, he learns the bounce of the ball. But, but you see how Chris is going through his shots. And he's running to the next spot, and you know that's the whole thing that I, I you know, like you got to be a game pace, game speed. You know that that's the big thing with me. But but rapid fire is if you have like three shooters, um, and, and you have you have a rebound, like one of the managers is your rebounder. Um, the, the the line is is the same five spots. You go to, but but the first if you start with, say, three or four guys in line shooting. And and basically, as a passer, you're just rifling passes to them. And the guy has to shoot it and go away from it to get to the end of the line. And you got the first one to get the five. And then you you get to five, you run to the next spot, and you start there, and you, get, you try to go around. What it does is it increases um, um, your preparation to shoot the ball. Like, you got to – and you got to shoot it, and you got to get out because the next guy is stepping in. And and the passer, I'm trying to, you know, my that's my workout right. because you know I threw, you know, over a hundred passes for those five spots because you know for them to get to five, somebody you know is probably you know like, you know, fifteen or so passes at each at each spot, so at least seventy five passes, right. you know, and we do that and. Um, I stole that from Phil. That was one of Phil's drills. Rapid fire was one of his drills. Right. And, um, you know, but no, nobody, we always laugh, um, you know, about, you know, everybody thinks they create something. We all steal from each other. Um, the funny thing was uh, last year when, when, when before uh, I came up to Ryder, um, Ash Howard had asked me, he said, hey, you know, you got some time, man. Because, no, actually, I asked Ash. Langston came to town last summer. I didn't have a gym to work out. It the first time I didn't have a gym. I wasn't at St. Joe's anymore. So I had called up Ash. Ash, can I come up and work Langston out at your place? Sal's so a couple miles from my house. I said, yeah, absolutely. So I, we went up every day. He was, here for about, he was here for about six days. And we went and worked out. Ash actually made his team watch him once, you know, just the, the pace and what he does. And, and it, it was this, the same stuff. You know, We he, he don't handle the ball a whole lot, so we don't start out with ball handling. We start out with shooting because that's his job, you know. So we worked on shots. We worked on floaters. We worked on all this kind of stuff. So So in doing that, Ash said to me, he goes, man, you look like you, have a, you You know, this is what you do. You have a good job. You have a good time with it. You know, and working, working with Ash years and years ago. So he goes, would you mind working my guys out? You know, I wasn't a college coach at that time. I wasn't, I wasn't a coach. So, you know, um, yeah, you know, I, so, um, I said, what would you like me to, you know, when we talked about it, what would you like me to do? And Ash goes, do what you do, because I stole your drills.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> he, said, he said, do what you do. I stole, I st- I stole, I stole all your drills. So I, I asked him, I said, um, how did your guys like it? You know, how did your guys, because he, he had four guys that worked out. And he said, um, a couple of them said, like, the explanation. And, and I, I really got that from Bruiser Flint, the explanation of the drill, why we're doing this. You know, this is, and, and you can show them in a game, you gotta, you know, you gotta be ready, you gotta, you know, you gotta rip and go, you gotta do some things. You know, your first step has to be like, you're getting shot out of a cannon, mm-hmm. you know? So you can beat somebody with the first step, you know? And, and those were the things that I learned growing up. You know, not not so much, you know, beat somebody with so much dribbling and all that, you're just trying to get by on And that's what I just try to buy by and then make a shot. You know, and that's what it's about. You know, and nowadays, you know, a guy want to bang, 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 then shoot it. Like, and everybody's oohing and ah I just want two points or four or three points. You know,
2: that's all I want. I'm going to jump in real quick and say uh, two things about uh, what Jeff said. Uh, the first thing is, uh, Jeff, even when you weren't um, working at St. Joe's and before you got to a writer, when you said, uh, you know, you weren't a coach, you know, that's obviously false. Uh, you know, you've always been a coach. Uh, you know, I'm going to take my old man uh, idioms and say, uh, you know, coaching is not what you do, it's, you know it's who you are. And so you've always been a coach. So even when you weren't at a school, you're still, you know, always a coach. But the other thing is, too, is um, <laughs> I know that um, in addition to the with the rapid fire type shooting drills, it's also a pressure drill. And that's built in because Jeff is passing. <laughs> and I've I've heard on many occasions when somebody's taking a little bit long to <laughs> to get those mates, and he's like, Yo, come on, man. I'm not gonna be out here passing I'm passing the whole day.
0: <laughs> Make a shot. <laughs> so it's also a it's also a built in uh pressure shooting drill in addition to, <laughs> in addition to Jeff's
2: like, nah, the manager's not passing, I'm passing, but I ain't gonna be out here. Pass
3: it all day. Make a shot. <laughs> all day. That, that's the 60-second shoot, Matt. Right, 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 right. You gotta make three in the spot to move to the next spot. So it's right. and you got 60 seconds on the clock. So kid doesn't realize you gotta get shots up, right? right? And our favorite line, and 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 Matt though this from UMass, he's stuck in the corner like, like a rat. Like a rat. <laughs> like a rat. <laughs> <laughs> He's stuck in the corner like a rat. He can't get off the corner and make a shot. <laughs>
0: yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, time. Have, I'll say this, man. Have there been any drills that you've taken uh, from Jeff you use with your team? Yeah, I mean, I you know,
2: I agree 100% that one of the things I learned from Jeff with the individual work stuff is the progressions of, okay, you start here, then you add this and add, you know, you let, you know, lay, layer the individual work stuff. So that's definitely something that I always keep in mind, um, whether it's from the individual standpoint or even if it's an individual workout, but I'm, you know, trying to like incorporate some offensive movements in it. Oh, you know, I always keep that in mind. It's like, okay, do the progression. We go from here, we start here, and then we add this on top of it and layering it. So that's always, something that uh you know i've uh incorporated and um you know and also keeping it simple you know i have you know like i said i learned from those guys and you know in any of my you know we're not doing the you know four you know four combo moves to get to a you know like no it's just you know we're gonna keep now we are go and it's funny too because you know You know, Jeff is from the, you know, the Philadelphia area. So I come up for, you know, I'm, you know, the young kid coming up from New York, you know, as a manager. And so anytime, you know, we had a couple of New York dudes on the team, but, you know, but we're playing, you know, we're playing games, you know, there you go. You like that New York stuff, that you know, dribbles behind your back three times, <laughs> and I'm just standing there like, like, how would I get dragged into drag, in this? You like that. You like that New York stuff, dribbled okay. both times
3: For and spinning <laughs> early in this, early in his life with us, somebody come down and make a play, and it was over dribbling. Right. Finally, finally make the pass. Good pass. <laughs> Shut New up, York. man. <laughs> Talking that New York, that's too much dribbling. <laughs> all initially.
0: <laughs> hey, and, and you know what? Uh, Yo, man, not much has changed, man. No, 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 no. Listen,
2: <laughs> consistency, consistency is the key to life. I always say this. The reason why Jeff is a trustworthy person is because he's consistent. Mm-hmm. He's, the, he's the same. He's the same. He's the same person. You know what I mean. And he's always going. It's always consistent. You get. You know. That's that's somebody that you can trust. If they're, <laughs> if they're consistent with you, then you can trust them. Because you. It doesn't matter the situation. It doesn't matter. You know the the time. The how many years ago. It doesn't matter. The message is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And, you know he's not. He's not switch. Uncle Jeff is not switching up for any
3: <laughs> for anybody. That's <laughs> all for them. Why? I know you have. You have. You have. You have. <laughs> that's why. I, that's why I said when
2: the, you know the 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 PG version of the stories. That was a hard one for me because, <laughs> it was, in fact, it was no filter. It was full st- that train was going
3: full sp- <laughs> full speed ahead no brakes, no brakes back then but the funny thing though is is like all those dudes that i've coached and i mean like no matter if you went zero to 60 on them or whatever after you walked off the court it was cool and all them Guys, guys, call you today, and they they laugh about half that stuff to this day. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yo, you remember when that happened? Mm-hmm. Oh man, oh, you remember this happened? And 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 it was, it was like you were. I was always mad, or Brew was mad at their play, not them as a person. Their play. Right. You know, I might call somebody a jackass because they act like a jackass, but it was their play like yo your play yo if you don't want me to yell at you just play better just do what you're told you know and these these guys you know and they laugh about it because you know a couple guys have called me cuz i used to yell about playing defense and stuff like that then one guy started coaching he called me up he said yo can you believe I'm yelling at my kids about defense? I said you can't spell defense because <laughs> <laughs> you never tried to play defense. Mm-hmm. You almost got in fights with your teammates doing shell drill because you didn't play defense. You know, now, you, now you yelling at kids about guarding somebody.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and, and listen, it didn't matter who you and you know, and it didn't matter who you were. You could be the best player on the team. You could be a walk on. You could be a manager because I got it too. It, it didn't matter, but. But at the end, but you knew, but at the end of the day, you knew it was all love. And it was like, yo, if you need that's what needs to happen, if you need to get cursed out right now, that's just that's what it is. <laughs> you, know, you take it, okay. I got you know what I mean?
3: I hear you. And See, I never hit one of these guys, I mean, My brothers used to hit me upside the head. I got that and hit upside the head. <laughs> so I would just give it on the slight version of what you know, I, like because the thing was when we grew up playing you know, and being the youngest of, you know, seven of us, but it was four boys, and I was the youngest of everybody, but, the, you know, and they were all athletes. So then, you know, by time I got to a point where I could go and play with them on the court, then, you know, it was like, yo, you better guard, you better not turn the ball over, and you better pass him and him the ball. Don't take no shot. And if I throw it to you and you miss a layup off the court, mm-hmm. so like I've played in games with my brothers, and and you know, guy I'm guarding scored two baskets. Our oldest brother, oh oh oh, see a guy on the sideline. Yo, Matt, you want to play? Yeah, yo, man, you gotta get off. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how you grew up. Mm-hmm. So, so like. You know, like praising a kid, like "Yo, man, you're great." That was great. And that, we just heard the bad side because you were expected to do the great side, right? And, and that's kind of the difference of today. You know, everybody wants to hear like "Oh, that was great. That was great. That was great. That was great." Um, and we didn't hear it that way. All we heard was like "You should have did this. You should have did that. You should have did that." I, I'll. I, this is how crazy it is. As a as a a rising senior in high school, I was playing down in Sunny Hill Lake in a Sunny Hill All Star Game. Right now, we played the Canadian Under Twenty National Team, so they were older than us. It was an All Star Sunday. You know, we played the we played the, the. It was it was like the. It might have been that, yeah, because it wasn't eighteen and under. They were they were the rising. They were twenty and under. So um we play them in an all-star game. They were bigger, stronger, you know, they were pretty good, you know. And and uh, you know, they 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 kind of dressed us up, right? So at the end of the game, I was all pissed off. So I was a pretty good athlete. So I I, you know, come down on a fake one way, go down in the middle and I dunk the ball, boom. And them them dudes kind of congratulated me. They were like, yo, that was pretty good. <laughs> the guys that were, but they were killing us, right? So we leave after the game, you know, outside of McGonagall Hall. It's a a bench that everybody sat on. So everybody was out there. So my brother was out there waiting who took me to the game. So he pissed off. We lost. He don't, you know, he pissed off. So Jim Boyle, who was the head coach of St. Joe's at the time, was at the game. That was the first time I met him. He came up to me after the game and he said, you know, um, Uh, you've been getting our our mail? And I said, yeah, I've been getting your mail. So he said, I want to do, I want to come to your house and talk to you and your parents. I want to offer you a scholarship. Like he, that was in August of going to my senior high school. So I said, yeah, absolutely. So my brother was sitting there, right? So my brother, like he was talking to me. So my brother come walking up like, yo, like what the hell? Like, you know, I was, time to go, right? Because he was driving. So then both just said hello and, and kept and left. So he was like, my brother said, who's that white man? <laughs> right? And I said, oh, Jim Boy. He's the head coach of St. Joe's. He he said he want to come to the house and talk to mom and dad and me. he want to offer me a scholarship. He said, after the way you just played, <laughs> how do you want you for? That's how we grew up. Mm-hmm. That was... That was how we grew up, and, and that's – so, so like, early on, you know, then you, real, you, you realize that, you know, some – and you learn some guys need this, some guys need that, some guys – but they're going to feel the wrath if they, if they continuously do the wrong thing. I don't think I just ever jump somebody from the gate. Mm-hmm. I never jump somebody. But it's like, yo, my man, you got to do it this way. Yo, my man, you got to do it this way. Yo, my man, you got, yo. Right. And then you, then you kind of, you know, and they get it. They eventually get it. Right.
0: Right. Well, I, I think, uh, you know, that kind of segues into, you know, the, the barbershop talk on how you grew up, you know. So I, I know you grew up, you know, picking up these drills from John Harnett. Uh, you sample something and then you add your own twist to it. You come out with your, with your workout that leads us to music. So I I know you've heard some of the other episodes and we get crazy on here when it comes to the music. So we wanted to talk with you about sampling, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is a a big thing in music and especially in the hip hop community. Uh, So, you know, with you being the guest, give us some of your favorite samples that some of our listeners may not have known the originality, but they know the new
3: version. My, my, uh, and that's funny because when you talk about sampling, like they gave they credit Mono Ginoviti with the euro step, mm-hmm. but but uh, it's a it's an MBA player. Um, oh my god, now I can't remember who, but it, it was it was an NBA player that did that step first way back mm-hmm. in the 60s. You know, in the 60s, um, I'll get it, I'll get it and tell you guys, but like, you know, that you know, so it's since you haven't seen it, or or actually, here's one God Sham God got the move. Well, I saw Pooh Allen do that move before I saw God Sham God do it, right? And but Pooh Allen got it, and if you can really believe this, Pooh Allen got the move from Franny O'Hanlon, the head coach at Lafayette College. How about that? Franny O'Hanlon has an alias in Philly in the hood. His name is Rainbow Johnson. He was a bad plan, <laughs> <laughs> dude. Franny was Rainbow Johnson. And say, Ray, call Freddie Rainbow Johnson when you see him. He played at Villanova. And what they, they said he would go and, and play ball in the hood. And they said he was so bad, they called him Rainbow Johnson. But Franny O'Hanlon taught Pooh out on that move. Wow, I, I'm yeah. move. Yeah, he taught Pooh out So, so Pooh sampled it, put his thing on it, then then Sham God did his thing, you know, and 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 uh, you know, and and the rest is is the rest is history. But but Franny O'Hanlon was the guy, um, uh, mm-hmm. you know, was the was the guy that. Uh, that, that, that showed Poo out on that move. And that's the first. And, and, and somebody had told me that um, somebody, somebody from Philly had showed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I heard that uh, it was actually you and I. We
0: had that conversation. Okay. I was talk, talking to Tyson Wheeler about it. Uh, and Tyson said he actually got it from Sean Colson at, at Rhode Island. And, you know, they were all together. Sean, Tyson, Shamgar were all in that Rhode Island area together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is wh- where we are today w- with it. Um, well, I'm going I'm to start a
2: little bit of controversy with that. So cool. I'm not, you know, I don't know the originator of any of it, right? <clears throat> but we have had Pooh Allen on the show as a guest previously, Right. And we've also had Chuck Martin on the show previously who coached Sham God at LaSalle High School down in down in Manhattan. So it might be a good idea, Marlon, if we get them two guys together <laughs> in the future and let them hash it out and figure out
3: <laughs> which is... But Boo, talk, you know, but Boo talks about it in his book.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. Boo yeah. Boo
3: talks, yeah, talks about yeah. Franny and he said, you'll know it because Sham God has done it, but... People were saying right. that I the scam guy stole it from me, but we both stole it from Franny O'Hanlon. He did yeah. it first.
1: Yeah. Hey, hoop heads. we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. With promo code hoopheads to get twenty percent off.
3: Sampling music. My all time favorite like sample song and it and it's not even it's just a note from a song. hmm You know, Tribe Call Quest, lyrics to go. The and best song
2: in my opinion
3: you know when it starts off and then you hear this long high pitched tone note mm-hmm. that's actually Minnie Ripperton inside my love that's her voice mm-hmm. and as soon as i heard it as soon as i heard that tone i said that's minnie because like growing up as a kid you know that's that's the album cover where Minnie Riperton was sitting there and a big ass lion was sitting right next to her <laughs> you know and, and the urban legend the lion bitter <laughs> you know you know say so that's that's the hood that's the hood urban legend the lion better no, the lion fighter <laughs> you know uh inside your love was one of the, you know that was you know that, that 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 that's like and it's and it's funny because as soon as that drops and you hear that tone, you go, that's mini Ripperton." And, and 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 it and she doesn't hit that note until the end of the song. So, you know, them guys, you have to be great to, to do some of that stuff. To to hear a song and then then say, you know, I can create something from it. But but it's always remarkable because I always think of musicians being, you know, so very talented. But it's like everything else. Just like writers are so very talented, ball players are so very talented. We talking about that creativity of Pooh Allen's move Infrenio and Franny We That creativity, that you know, you we you watch, you know, you watch ball players, and and you could see some guys that you know are are really unbelievable artists. You know, you know what? Just before Uncle Jeff goes on, can we just? I, 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 I
0: know, I know, and you know what? <laughs> I knew it was coming, so I, I, tried, to, I tried to get, get him first. Uh, you know, the listeners know, um, because you made Matt's day by making a Queens reference. I mean, it's, I, I just wanted to ask the question
2: where Q-Tip is from and where Tribe Called Quest is from.
3: That's Uncle Jeff's favorite sample of all time. I was just going to ask the question, and then we could just keep going. But, but we talked about on on the 12 Inches Over podcast, you know, we asked about music as well. And Scott had talked about, he asked the question, you know, we're, we are we are tape generation guys, mm-hmm. right? So what tape did you wear out till it popped? Or you had to take the pencil and roll it back in because mm-hmm. it got jacked up? And so they came to me and everybody was talking about this song and that song and all. My next best sample song, um Skies the Limits by Biggie. And the the tape that I popped, I must have played Bobby Caldwell's My Flame. I must have tried to have been talking to some girls or something, because I broke that bad boy. I played it so much. And that's Sky's the Limit is Bobby Caldwell, My Flame. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 that's when a lot of the stuff were fast songs, and when when the rappers started to sample some of the slow songs and speed some of them up or slow some songs down, and I mean that 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 was, you know, that that stuff right there was incredible, man. I I, I like like, and some songs you hear and you go like, like. If I play the Ozzy Brothers footsteps in the dark I start rapping, you know. Mhm. You know, I start rapping it's a good day. Yeah, today is a good day. <laughs> yeah. it's a
0: good day. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, it, it it's so many samples uh that really you know are, are kind of you know embodies y- your life. Right? Mm-hmm. And when when you hear it, you know, <coughs> original Like, for me, you know, growing up in the 90s, I didn't know any better. I would play records and, you know, my mom or my dad would come into my room. Oh, cut that off. That ain't no real music. And I'm like, Nah, this is hot. And then, now I'll show you hot. And it just so happens that they would always have the original song to a song that that, that I liked. You know, so I, I remember... Uh, I was around 1995, 96. I'm, um, you know, 12, th- 13 years old, uh, maybe 14, 96, maybe. Reasonable doubt comes out. And I had dead presidents by Jay-Z. I thought it was the greatest beat I'd ever heard in my life. So you talk about what tape did you play till it popped? It was that one for me. Well, I'm thinking... I got to look at the credits, who did this uh, beat. So, Matt, you, you know, it It said uh, our guy Ski's on there a, a, as the producer. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yo, uh, my dad comes in, like, I wasn't a damn Ski. Lonnie Liston-Smith. I'm like, excuse me? Yeah, it was Lonnie Liston-Smith, Garden of Peace. So I go back and he goes and you know, at, at that point, that's when CDs were just starting to really take mm. off. My dad had uh CD with Lonnie Liston-Smith, and I'm listening to Garden of Peace. At that time, I, I, got, I was so disappointed in Jay-Z. I had to go listen to Lonnie Liston-Smith some more. But for me, that's my favorite sample, uh, which I think uh, Mary J. Blige ended up sampling that, that same uh Beat for a song on her uh, album. I want to say in two thousand seven, uh, but Matt, I'll throw it to you. What's uh your favorite sample? Oh, uh,
2: There's a lot of them, but that they um, and I, I've I've gotten more as I've gotten older. You know, I've started to appreciate the the um, the art of sampling, and you know, if I hear a song, whether it's a new hip hop song or an old hip hop song, like I'll try to go back and find the whole song that guys have used to you know, to make it. And then now I have actually on my phone a whole playlist of, like, you know, just the original songs from, you know, famous hip-hop songs or, you know, hip-hop songs that I like with just a sample. Um, I mean, just, the, you know, the the sample that I like playing the original song. So I have a whole playlist of songs like that. I would probably say my favorite uh, s- sampled song that, and it's because it's two of my favorite hip-hop songs of all time, is not, is... Uh, uh, Nautilus by Bob James, and uh, this uh, you know it's an instrumental song. You know Bob James, a great you know jazz artist. Um, but the two songs that came from it were uh, um, first uh, "Let the Rhythm Hit Him" Eric B and Rakim. Ooh. They got the sample from from uh, from uh, Nautilus by Bob James, and then um, Daytona Five Hundred. Uh, Ghostface uh, and Riza used RZA used, uh, RZA used uh, another part of. Um, of uh of uh, nautilus by bob james and i actually so just when, once i learned that i actually bought bob james greatest Hits cd and i actually have it in my it's a, it's a double cd it's a double cd bob james greatest hits and i have it in my car you know and on a sunday drive whether i'm with the family or by myself you know i just put that on and i you know i just zone out to it you know i'm a big bob james fan but i'm a big bob james fan because of that and right. then you know the little part comes okay all right, that's Daytona 500. All right, that's that's okay. That's the, li- the let the rhythm hit them. And there's you know, Nautilus is one of the most sampled. Um, so I think the um, yeah, Beats to the Rhyme by Run DMC came from Nautilus. There's a bunch of songs that um, came from that um, from that track. And he has a bunch of other tracks that you know you can hear you know break beats you know to iconic hip hop songs from the 80s and 90s going forward. You know, Bob James is you know one of the most sampled guys. You know him, James Brown, obviously. Isley Brothers, a lot of guys, but um, yeah, so I would say uh, Nautilus by Bob James, so for the listeners, you know, do yourself a favor, check out some Bob James, you listen to Nautilus, you'll hear, you'll, you know, you play it and you'll hear, oh, there's that, there's that, there's that, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting, so uh, that would be mine.
3: Yeah. Y'all, y'all might be too young to remember the, the sitcom Taxi. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep, yeah, he did that, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. that's him. I think Bob James did, did it. Think-
2: yeah. Yeah.
3: That's, that's Bob James. Yep, that's him. Yep. That's Paul James. But Bad boy. One of, the, one, of the, one of the top joints was, you know, we was about the basement parties. And, and you know, like if you were tall enough to, to unscrew the light when the slow joint came on, and one of the all-time favorite slow joints was Love Ball, Mm-hmm. hmm mm-hmm. And then when I heard De La Soul mm-hmm. do much more, I was like, oh, man, they turned they turned it out. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Yo, De La Soul, much more." Mm-hmm. That's Ltd's love ballad. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then I, you know, I gotta give y'all the story about seeing my favorite artist of all time.
0: You're here for it. That's what we do here at Bleaches and Boards. We love the stories. My favorite
3: artist of all time is Stevie Wonder. You know, like Talking Book, fulfilling this first like Inner Visions. You know, but Songs of the Key of Life, I was 10 years old, no, I was 11 years old, my mother took me to see The Wiz on Broadway, and they had a billboard in 42nd Street that said, it's coming, Songs of the Key of Life, I'll never forget it, it was an album cover of Stevie Wonder, it came out in 76, that was 75, right, I actually saw... Um, Stephanie Mills was Dorothy. Right, yeah. I saw Stephanie Mills, she was Dorothy. Mm-hmm. So Songs of the Key of Life is my second favorite album. My favorite album of all time is Marvin Gaye, What's Going On. It's no no doubt for me, but Songs of the Key of Life is second. So I got a chance. Stevie Wonder's last concert tour, he was doing Songs of the Key of Life. So he that's a double record set he came out and played one, one album and went to intermission, played the other album. Now, you know, I get a chance to go to Wells Fargo, box, you know, system law, big time at box, drinks, food, you know, I got a scotch in my hand. You can't tell me I'm not just chilling. So at intermission, I get up to get some food. Now she had some clients there and it was a young dude I'll never forget, a young Asian dude, he was like, man, this concert is unbelievable. He said, yo, he even did Coolio.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, man, come on, man.
3: Yo, <laughs> I, looked at the I looked at the boy, I must've looked at him so crazy, right? Like, Stared all through <laughs> He said, he said, I should shut the hell up, shouldn't I? <laughs> yeah, that would, be, that would be good. That would be good. Because, like, when he said that, I swear, if I had telepathic powers, I would have beamed his ass off the thing and he'd have flipped, flipped over the rail. He'd have had to cart him out. Because the man said, cool, yo. I said, I looked at him and said, that's that song was called Pastime Paradise. It's Stevie Wonder's song, not Gangster Paradise. Dude was like, uh, I'ma just go sit over here. <laughs> <laughs> go sit in the corner <laughs> <up>, for <myself. laughs> For the rest of the night. I think he tried to climb over into <laughs> <laughs> Man, you out of your mind. Oh man. <laughs> said, oh, man. He said he even played Coolio. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All people, Coolio. Oh man. No disrespect to Coolio, but Coolio. Nah, come on, None man. of that. None of that, but come on, man. You, you know, you gotta know your Stevie. Hey, listen, yeah. you know,
2: it, it was a it's what is what they call now a, a teachable moment.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh Matt, you know what else? I, I forgot. I was I say I was thinking about uh, the Curtis Mayfield joint, move on up, you know what that mm-hmm. is.
2: That's a Kanye's joint, right? Touch the sky. Yeah, yeah, yeah touch the sky, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: That's a bad beat too.
2: Well, that's you know, I'm and, and I'm big on the sampling too, and you know, sometimes I get criticized for you know my my small range of tastes in in, in hip hop. But to me, the way I look at it is the origins of hip hop is sampling, right? Like that's how it started was the break beats, the old disco records, and all of that, and then they got the two turntables and you got the same record and they're looping it back and forth, and that to me, you know, that's the that's the origins of hip hop, right? So, you know, I have, you know, respect the guys that, you know, got with the technology and started making beats from, you know, and instrumentals from, you know, the different, whether it's keyboards or the different sound machines, whatever, and can make beats to different producers out there, your Pharrell's, your Timberlands, you know. I, I respect those guys and what they did, but, you know, that's never been my cup of tea because for me, you know, I look at it like hip hop is, you know, hip hop is sampling you know, and that that's, that's, that's what it is. So, you know, like I said, no disrespect to, you know, people that are doing it different ways or whatever, you know, we can talk, you know, even a band from Philly, you know, I get criticized for that sometimes on my thoughts on that, you know, great live band, but you know, I'm not really trying to hear that. Li- you know, I don't, I don't want that. <laughs> I want. You know what I mean? No disrespect, you know, but I, I don't, I'm not, I'm not checking for that right now. I want my samples. So, you know, that's uh you know, that's just me and my little. You know, my little.
3: Well, the thing is that, uh, and for people who say that, that that is an art form, that's an art form. Oh, no question, no you question. Know, that's it. That's an art form to be able to pull the most obscure thing. You know, um, you know, like like I I had heard and I and I forget who it is, but the Ghetto Boys. Um, uh, mind playing tricks on me. That you got to hear the original of that, and it sounds it's it's like a little bit flowering. And then, but but they slow it down and they put a darkness with mm-hmm. it. And now all of a sudden, because I, I honestly, that was the only one that I liked from them. I couldn't. <laughs> it, it was all too dark for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Man, but, that was a uh,
2: song though, one of the best ever made.
3: Oh yeah, 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 That's yeah. The that we made. yeah. And you know, and and you know, so it, it's been a couple. It's been a couple of dudes that, and and like y'all, y'all to look at me crazy, cause I wasn't really a big Wu Tang dude. It was too many of them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was too many of them. You know, you know, you 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 knew Dirty Bastard, and and you knew a couple other ones. But when they started with this and that and, this and that dude and, this and he on his thing, I listen. You it's know too what?
2: <laughs> information overload.
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Over to the side. Too many dudes. I'm good with like two or three cats, and, and you know, like I, I always like tribe because the, their 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 samples came from jazz, mm-hmm. you know, and it was always it was always good. Um, you know, before before he lost his mind. Listen, he got the mojo messing with them chicks. But Kanye was really good, but he, since he been incredible, he was, incredible over there since he went with them mm-hmm. dudes lose they mind messing with them cats leave them alone. Yeah, it's
2: disappointing because he was you know incredible man, <laughs> incredible.
3: The, the, the one joint uh, dropout and when he hit, when he hit the Big Brother. Or, or the or the one he did, Last Call. Last Call was pretty hit.
2: Oh yeah, oh
3: yeah. Called it Tight when oh, he yeah. said he put uh, a mayonnaise color joint, Johnny yeah. called it a miracle whip. Miracle whip. Yeah,
2: <laughs> mayonnaise, mayonnaise colored colored bends called a miracle whip. Yeah,
3: yeah. You know, like, he that that was tough. That was tight. I, I like last. That was tight. But after that, he hey, cool.
0: Last Call to me was one of the great ways to end the album. And even though it's 12 minutes long, you don't want to stop it yeah. because you, you like the lyrics, but then the story that goes with it at, at the end and, 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 the beat. and the beat that just rides low right. while it's he's right. telling the story, you
3: lose track of, you know, that was a 12-minute song. Mm-hmm. What'd you know, did that? What'd you call him? Did that on and and I and I honestly I have to say that um, uh, unfortunately un- until after he passed away, you know, got killed, did I ever listened to his stuff because I wasn't familiar, but but Nipsey does it on uh, Slauson and and Crenshaw on Slauson. Mm-hmm. That's on that's on that that's on that Crenshaw album.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: That's when um, you know he tells the story, you know, and, and it's. It's like three songs in one. Mm-hmm. So he he kind of, you know, and 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 uh, you know, so that that's a bad, that's a bad cut too. Okay.
0: As you're talking about that, the drums at
3: the end of that, yeah, really drops it on the first part when he drops it on the first part. Yes, yes, them drum when he when it, when, when he hits those drums, that's what made me say whoa. And then it goes quiet for a while, and then it picks back up with another <laughs> one. Then it goes quiet and picks up with the, the last one. But the last drums, and when he tells this guy to come on, bring it in, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, don't jump, yeah. yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. So, now, I I know we spoke about this before we were going to get on the air, and I actually came prepared with this. Uh, Are you going Summer Madness by Cooling the Gang as the sample, or Between the Sheets, Osley Brothers? You had to choose one, and why? I'll give that to the both of you.
3: I'm actually going i you know I'm going summer madness I'm going summer madness um when when they when they hit the, the synthesizer part and it keeps going and it gets and it keeps going yep and it keeps going, and it keeps going and you're like yo that that's Right there, like between the sheets, um, it's so many other songs, you know. Like Summer Madness is just, you know, like Scott actually says he plays that for every class he ever teaches. Mm. And he, because he always plays music to start his class off. So he plays it. And he said, without a doubt, at least five people come to him after that. Yo, who was that? Mm. Mm. Because when, because when, and that was before, I was a Cool and the Gang fan because of all their albums prior to them being celebrated. And when they changed, they crossed over. And right. when JT got in the band, I stopped being a fan. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was my pop's favorite song, too, Celebration. Oh, <laughs> Listen, he used to torture us with that. He would come home and he would. he had the single. So he had the single and he would literally... Put it on and play it like 30 times back to back, like just in a row, like just back to back. He just like he was one of those people like he could like play one song over and over again, watch the same movie over and over again. Like that was him. But he used to come home and put Celebration on and play it like 30
3: times (laughs) in in a row. That was his cut right there. So so I, I a summer summer madness that 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 just I can I can listen to that song like I can literally listen to that song, um, you know I can do that what you just said a hundred times yeah. because each time you that part hits you and you just you know you just like you just, it, it starts going mm-hmm. and you like these dudes knew what they were doing they knew exactly what they were doing they were good. Man, which one you going with?
2: I mean, I like Summer Madness. I mean, you know, they're so different, too, right? Because Summer Madness is an instrumental and Between the Sheets has the vocals and, you know. And the thing about Between the Sheets, too, it has so many different segments. Like, the beginning of the song is really, you know, laid back and smooth. But then by the time you get to the end, it's faster. You know, it's it's an interesting song, you know. Ernie Osley, definitely one of the most underrated, you know, guitar players, you know, ever that doesn't get his due. You know what I mean? Um, I always say, you know, I put his, you know, that you know, Jimi Hendrix work, you know, play with them when he was young and stuff like that. But Ernie Osley's, you know, one of the best guitar players, um, to me ever. And he doesn't get, you know, doesn't get the credit that some other guys have gotten. Um, you know, especially like his guitar riffs on um on um Summer Breeze are, you know some of the best ever, so, you know. Their,
3: their whatchacalms too, Matt. like their albums always had kind of a slow side, and yep. then a you, and the fast
2: know, side. Yep.
3: Like, you know, like, you know, and them dudes used to, you know, they used to get it. Oh, they, they
2: still, I, I think that was
3: the last second. concert
2: I went to in Philly. I think the last concert I went in Philly before I moved was it was uh, the Osley Brothers, Frankie Beverly and Mays, and, uh, Forget who opened it. Might have been Kem, but you know, without you know, they, they was up there. old, but they was up there. They were rocking it though. They were rocking it though.
0: Yeah,
3: they were rocking it. Second, second, they second best band to me. People used to talk about Ohio players. Talk about this person, this person. Yeah, it's Earth, Wind, Fire, Ozzy brothers. Yeah, yeah, nah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
3: I, I, I'm gonna go.
0: Ah, uh, like, like you said, man. It's it's two different songs, and I don't even know like. You know, I think we're all in the same boat. You can't really pick one.
2: Yes, uh,
0: I, I think uh, you know the synthesizer on some of madness, like like you said, Jeff. When it just started to increase, you knew something something's gonna happen about to happen. Uh, and I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna throw it out there. You know, I, I say outlandish stuff on this podcast, and I, I think the sample of what made that. Sample even greater was Will Smith using that on Summertime that now Summertime to me is the greatest summer record ever. And when when you hear it, you know, it just makes you it makes me think of a good time. Just hearing that beat just makes me think of a a good time. And then when I take the between the sheet sample, you know, you can take different parts of that. Right. So, you know. Biggie uses it, and I'm liking Biggie for this one, for our listeners that don't think I like Biggie. I'm, I'm going to give him his credit on this one. He <laughs> it on, on, on Big Papa, right? And then you have Jay-Z comes back and uses it with Siegel on his freestyle on the American Gangster album. And I think you just see the different ways that, you know, if you chop a beat up, different sounds that you can – Get from it to make it a hit, it's nothing like it, mm-hmm. you know, it's just nothing, nothing like it at all. Um, so you know, I can't pick one. I, I know I, I threw it out
3: to you guys to pick one, I can't pick one, uh, for, for those reasons. There, and 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 Summer Madness has, uh, I think that one of the coolest Nike commercials ever with that LeBron joint.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I
3: think that that's uh, you know. 'Cause he he's different people, but it's just it's it's on the back and then here comes that synthesizer. So you know in a commercial, something get ready to happen. Right. You know, the boy get ready, he's something, something get ready to jump off. Cause you know, he just he uh you know, his whole thing is like, mmm And like you so when he dives off the diving board it's like perfect. You know, it's like it's pretty cool. But I I like I like that. I like that. Okay.
0: Yeah. No, nah, man. I, I think uh, we can keep going on with this for hours and hours. Uh, but y- you know, this was fun. I think we may have, even have to come back and do it again. Uh, oh, oh, go, go ahead. Didn't mean to cut you off. Go right ahead.
3: Nah, I I did write it down. The Ghetto Boys is actually an Isaac I- Hayes song. Okay. Hmm. It's an Isaac Hayes song. Um, Hang up on my baby. That's that's the Ghetto Boys. That's that's um, uh, what you call them? Uh, Mind prayer, a trick song? Okay. That's a, that's a Isaac Hayes song. That's what I said. I knew I knew I I, I say I knew it. Yeah, the Ghetto Boys. The Ghetto Boys. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: got I got I got check that out. Now that's a that's a good one. now. Yep.
3: Well,
0: man, I'm gonna let you close this out, man, because at some point we got to stop this one, you know, yeah, uh, Jeff's yeah, gotta, that's fun, gotta go. we we can keep going, but you know, we're going to be conscious of his time, Absolutely. Um, but
2: you know, close us out, man. Well, uh, as always want to thank uh, once again, uh, Jeff Arnold, Rider university uh, for uh, coming on bleachers and boards. This was a great time. Um, definitely shared, um, you know, some great, uh, um, his vision and his um, philosophy on player development and, and the, the layering of drills and things like that. Um, so, you know, definitely appreciative of him sharing his experience, his wealth of experience with working with different players, especially on the perimeter um, to, uh, you know, make, make his player the players that he's coached better. And that's what, uh, all coaches, um, are aspiring to do is make it, make their players better. So definitely appreciate him sharing, um, with that. And as always, uh, you know, on our bleacher talk segment, you know, we, <laughs> we, chop it up, you know, and, uh, Jeff's older than us. So he has a whole lot more uh, wisdom on the music that we listen to. So, you know, that's always appreciated, but, um, definitely want to thank, uh, Jeff for coming on, uh, Bleachers and boys this time. So, um, Definitely need to have him again, though. I, I agree with that. We, we got to finish the conversation take it in another direction. But uh, um, but definitely appreciate it to him for coming on. And uh, so Matt Collier signing out with my co-host Marlon Gill and uh, guest Jeff Arnold on another episode of Bleaches and Boards. Please follow us on all of our social media. And uh, this episode will get up on YouTube so you can check out the clips um, to uh, you know put in your toolbox. So once again, thanks for joining us. And everybody have a good night.
1: to get started
0: well that's another episode of bleachers and boards brought to you by the hoop heads podcast don't forget to check us out on twitter instagram and youtube at bleachers and boards until next time see you soon